Hi, folks. Welcome back to another episode of the Penn State Pre-Health Podcast. This week, we're starting a new series. We are breaking down the pieces of the application and discussing the important elements of this, these different sections, important things for you to know, and pitfalls to avoid. This week, we're focusing on the biographical section, which on its surface sounds pretty straightforward, but it's honestly a really, really important session. Section. We're going to be referencing something called the AAMC Experiences, Attributes, and Metrics model throughout this entire series, so you can understand how the different elements of your application contribute to the holistic review of your application. Buckle up, and let's get started. And welcome back to the Penn State Pre-Health Podcast, the show to help all pre-health students on their journey to acceptance. Each episode, our goal is to share information our students need to succeed, connect them with resources, answer their questions, and make this stressful process just a little easier. As you know by now, our episodes vary in length from a little over five minutes to around an hour. So tune into our shorts between classes or our longer episodes when you have more time. This week's episode, we are talking about the first section that you complete of the primary application. It's a really important part of the application and it can be really straightforward for most applicants, but there is some nuance here. So we're gonna dive in. As we talk about the different sections of the application over the next few weeks, we're going to be referencing a really important model. And this model was created by the American Association of Medical Colleges. And if you're listening to this podcast and you're saying, yo, John, I am not planning to go to medical school, this model is still helpful for any student applying to any health profession. It is just a physical representation of the holistic way in which schools will evaluate their applicants. You can find it on the American Association of Medical Colleges website. It's a really foundational graphic, and it really helps everyone put into perspective what it is that schools are really looking for across all of the dimensions. So as we go along, if I reference it, don't be surprised. So with the biographical information, a lot of this is going to feel really, really obvious, right? You're going to be putting your identifying information in here, right? Your name, your age, date of birth, which usually go hand in hand, your current address. If you are on gap year, they're going to ask how long you've lived there. They're going to ask which schools you've attended. And... All of this is pretty straightforward. It's really just data entry. There are a few sections in this that we really do want to talk about in particular. One of them is your location and where you live makes a big difference, especially how long you've been there. Every state defines residency status for their institutions differently. This is something really important that you need to know for everywhere that you're applying. There are states where after the first year, 
that you're in their institution, you become an in-state student. There are other institutions where you remain an out-of-state student during your entire matriculation time. There are states that have very specific rules. For instance, you have to have graduated from a high school in that state to be considered and have in-state status when they look at your evaluation, your applications. So it makes a big difference. And it's un important for you to understand how the school is going to view you. So having that information and being able to understand the role that it will play in your application is really, really important. If we look at this attributes metrics experiences model from the AAMC, geography is a really important attribute. It makes a huge difference if you look at acceptance rates for your schools, whether you're medical school, dental school, especially PA school, but pretty much every school, there's a really high preference for these in-state applicants. And so if you're thinking, well, I want to make sure I, I get in somewhere, but I'm really shooting for the stars and I want to have a small application pool, you really do need to strongly consider having at least one of those in-state institutions because you're already given a leg up just because of your geography. Okay. So that's an important one. There's a couple questions that are really geared towards specific populations as well, uh, specifically military populations. So schools will ask if you're receiving any GI benefits to attend uh, or are planning to use GI benefits. They'll ask about your discharge status. So if you are a military member who has served, whether it was an honorable discharge or another type of discharge, be prepared to talk about that experience. Just because you didn't have an honorable discharge doesn't disqualify you from being a wonderful applicant for medical school, but it does give you the opportunity to tell your own story in your own way, and it prompts you to do that. Think of it as an opportunity to let the admissions folks in as opposed to something that's going to be keeping you out. Another important section here is language proficiency. Now, for many of our majority students, a secondary language is not a super common thing in the United States. However, if you do have a language proficiency, it can be really valuable. If you are explicitly looking at applications in Florida, part of the East Coast, the Pacific Northwest, or Pacific Southwest, Spanish language proficiency is really important. There's a high monolinguistic Spanish-speaking population in all of those areas. And having that proficiency really provides value to that medical school cohort. Many schools, whether dental or medical or PA, they interact and engage with their communities. There are certain schools that require community outreach and education. So if you have the ability to connect with community members that other folks can't, you are really contributing in a very special, unique way. Spanish is our number one most common monolinguistic language aside from English. Quick terminology definition. Monolinguistic means that a person speaks a single language and only that language. So English in the United States, that's our number one by a pretty significant margin. But number two is Spanish. And number three is actually American Sign Language. It's also one of the rarest languages spoken in the United States. So if you have that skill set, make sure you're talking about it. You don't need to be fluent to add value here. 
One of the other important questions in this section is whether or not you've submitted a previous application. One of the big takeaways that our office always tries to hit with our students is that ideally we only want you to apply once. It is extremely expensive. It is taxing both emotionally and physically, and most importantly, mentally. And we want students to have success on their first attempt because statistically, you have the best chance of success on your first attempt. So we wanna give you every leg up, every single possible thing that we can give you to be most successful on that first iteration of your application. But let's say that doesn't happen. Acknowledging that you have submitted a previous application is really important because it does give you an opportunity to discuss your growth. What have you done to really enhance your application? This is a section to take incredibly seriously as a reapplicant. This is not the place to say, well, I continued doing what I was doing before. If that's all that you've done, this is a big red flag that perhaps you need to take another year before applying and really grow and develop your candidacy in a different way. So I did mention this earlier, but there's a section here where you talk about the schools that you've attended, right? You'll identify your high school, undergraduate, if you did any dual enrollment courses, you'll identify the institution in which you took those courses, and you will need to send transcripts for that institution. We're going to talk more about transcripts in our episode on GPAs, academics, and standardized test scores, because that is a separate section of your application, but felt I needed to mention it here just to give you some additional context. But you do want to give all of those institutions. It helps provide context to where your credits are coming from. The big thing here is if you've previously matriculated to a medical school and you're looking to transfer, that's a pretty big deal. And again, this is your opportunity to tell your story here. It's really difficult to matriculate to another medical school after you've already matriculated to one of them. So we really want to make sure that where you go on your first round is really where you want to go because the difficulty of getting an acceptance in a future year is just so, so challenging. It is a pretty big burden to place upon yourself. It's incredibly difficult. Wonderful applicants who had multiple acceptances really struggle. And so it's not something that we want you to do. So that's a good reason why when you select your school list, and we're going to have a whole other episode talking about school list, that school list is so important. It really sets the tone for everything that you're doing and everywhere. It sets the tone for your entire cycle. It's so, 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 so important. So if you're not 100% sure about a school, schedule an appointment. Come in. Talk to us. If you're one of our listeners from around the world or another institution, please, please, please reach out to the health professions advising at your campus or university or college. If your college or university does not have advising, the national uh, uh, organizations for the different health professions generally will have a find an advisor service. The AAMC for medical schools has one. If you're having trouble finding something, I don't mind if you reach out to me. I'll see what I can do and try and find you someone locally and regionally that can really support you. Now, 
the most important part of this section that we absolutely have to talk about is we call it the section of this section. <laughs> it's sort of like uh, calling uh, birth control the pill. You don't call it birth control, you call it the pill because it's, it's got this like mythic place <laughs> in the section. A really, really important part of the section is the felony, misdemeanor, and institutional action sections. A lot of students have inadvertently messed up their entire cycle by not taking this section seriously enough. It is intentionally quite vague in a lot of ways, and your approach to this section needs to be handled really, really well with a lot of care and a lot of intention. A lot of students have been told, a lot of applicants have been told, well, if you've done this, you're never gonna get into medical school. And we know for a fact that that's not the case. Just because you had an underage drinking violation, you know, a marijuana violation, you know, especially like a, a traveling uh, violation, so like a driving uh, violation, these are not disqualifiers. However, they are an opportunity for you as an applicant to tell more of your story. These are really hard hurdles for students to overcome. They are not easy to deal with and to manage. And so our students that have persevered through some of these experiences end up with really, really rich stories. I'm going to provide an example, and I wanted to clarify something. When we talk about students that we've worked with, we will always default to she, her pronouns to protect the identity of our students. So, you know, if you think that a particular thing is uh, aimed at you, just know that we are using she, her pronouns just to be not personally identifying as much as possible. Okay. So I was working with this student who had a misdemeanor in their past. And they talked a lot about how they had grown up very different culturally and how the shift to the culture here at Penn State was really difficult for them because it was so different from what they have li had lived in their entire life. They didn't make excuses. They owned their mistakes. They discussed the ways in which they should have seen the nuance of the culture. But they also talked about how that's something that they actively look at, seek out, and evaluate from now on. You know, there was a lot more nuance and context to their particular entry in this section. But they were really able to tell a very intimate personal story about how they grew, how it changed their insights and perspectives, not just on personal accountability and responsibility, but also on crime, the way in which communities respond to and interact with people who have these sorts of violations, and, and honestly broader, what this says about the world in which we live. So there is a lot of power to be had here. Additionally, though, having a really well-written essay is also not a silver bullet to protect you from everywhere. There are some institutions that are just a little bit persnickety about this section. It's important 
to try your best to do information sessions with the institutions that you're considering so that you understand the interpretation of these different items with them. Now, there is additional difficulty with certain institutional actions. So what makes institutional actions different? Institutional actions are not legal issues, right? So there was no police officer involved. Institutional actions are actions taken by the institution, so Penn State. Examples of these are housing violations. A simple noise violation may come up under an institutional action. There are, again, multiple ways to address and talk about these actions and how they've helped you grow and develop. There are also more challenging ones to, to sort of come up against. Questions of academic integrity and your academic capacity in difficult courses where your integrity has been called into question are really quite difficult to overcome. They're among the most difficult institutional actions to discuss. And so I do encourage you to have a really frank, direct conversation with a pre-health advisor. This can be something that gets you straight up rejected without further review from an institution. This can be a deal breaker for many schools, if not handled really, really well and honestly and directly. So please, please, please talk with us. So as we are talking about these things, one of the major experience points in the attributes, metrics, and experiences model from the WMC is life experiences, uh, distance traveled. These are really, really important to understanding you as an applicant. So don't shy away from this opportunity to tell your story in your own way. Now, if you're looking at this model, these are personal experiences and events. Sometimes there's broader cultural, historical, world and political events that are also going to shape your responses to these things. If we go back to GI benefits or sort of the military question, there's a lot of world political and historical events that really influence this. For example, I had a student who had a misdemeanor action, who had um, been charged with disorderly conduct during a protest. They were a member of the Jewish community. And after the Tree of Life uh, massacre at the synagogue in Pittsburgh, really needed, they felt a deep need to advocate for their community and to do so in a very direct, vocal way. It was pretty easy for the M to tell their story because of the deep-rooted cultural, historical, and world event that this was, what it said about them as an applicant, what it said about their life experiences, about their values and their beliefs. There are ways to really make your story here an important and essential part of understanding you as an applicant. 
So I do not want any of my students to shy away from this section, even if they have perhaps been embarrassed by it in the past. Understand that this is part of understanding who you are at a deep level, and you're just being provided additional context to do it. Now, having said that, we are not trying to give people free passes. You do have to take responsibility for your actions. But there's a difference between dismissing your actions and dismissing your past and taking responsibility for it and acknowledging the ways in which it's changed you. That's what they're looking for here. How have you fundamentally grown and changed from this experience? If you can articulate and talk about that really well within the character limits of this section, you can take something that could be a perceived weakness and turn it into the next great part of your story in this application and set you up to have a really great read from an admissions committee member. All right, so those are the main parts of the biographical information section. That's where This is where we're going to end this week's episode. I hope the biggest takeaway here is that every section of your application helps to tell your story. And while this section may on its surface seem like the most boring, the most straightforward, it's an important part of understanding everything that comes after it. So please give it the attention that it deserves and the respect that it does. And never be afraid to reach out and contact us in pre-health advising if you're a Penn State student. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and I look forward to talking with you next week. We're going to be covering another section of the application. We're going to be talking about grades, academics, and standardized test scores. What does that look like? How are they interpreted? And how are they used in the application cycle? So I'll see you next week on the Penn State Pre-Health Podcast. The Penn State Pre-Health Podcast is a production of the Pre-Health Advising Office and the Everly College of Science at Penn State University. It is produced, edited, and promoted by the Pre-Health Advising Team. The views, opinions, and advice shared during this podcast are that of the hosts and any guests only and do not necessarily reflect the best advice for every student at every institution for every health profession. This is a nonprofit podcast made for the purpose of better serving pre-health students across the university system.